Good evening. It is Cross the Tracks. Cross, cross the, tracks. the Tracks. Yes, Cross the Tracks podcast. And I think what we're up to episode eight now. I think this episode is episode eight. eight. Episode eight. Yeah, we're gonna have to stop counting. We just gotta yeah, just to keep like, going. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just keep it going, but uh, we, we've been at this for a minute and uh, chronicled a few episodes out there on iTunes and SoundCloud, so check us out and uh, let us know what you think, as always. Comments are welcome. Feedback is welcome, and we're getting a lot of feedback from folks, and so we appreciate it, and uh, it's a pleasure to do this uh, each Sunday night to talk about our hometown and the, the lives of two guys growing up in small-town America. So here we are again tonight uh, for another episode. Another episode. Well, I'll tell you what, Wayne, we're going to start off uh, tonight's episode, and we're going to remember two individuals that influenced our lives. Uh, the first one is Robert Arms, Bob Arms. He was an elementary school teacher at Morningside Elementary School, eventually became the principal at T.K. Stone Junior High at the time. It's T.K. Stone Middle School today. And the other gentleman we're going to talk about is Coach uh, Ron Myers, uh, who was a longtime uh, baseball coach at Elizabethtown High School and the winningest, winningest baseball coach in Elizabeth High School's history. So we would like to start, you know, uh, thinking about them uh, Mr. Arms was uh, the father of one of our classmates, Lori Arms, and he became the principal after, I think, our eighth grade year. And he was just a great elementary school teacher. Uh, he was a great principal, meaning that he was always there when you needed. Uh, he was always, uh, he always had a smile on his face. He was pretty smooth in what he did. You know, he was a nice guy. Uh, like I said earlier, he is uh, Lori's father and an, an individual that thought highly of his students and worked to uh, have his students uh, to do the best they could and to achieve what they could achieve. With Coach Myers, Coach Myers is probably – uh, one of the rocks at Elizabethtown High School. Uh, he was my baseball coach. He coached me all the way through my junior year. I, th I stopped playing baseball my, after my junior year. But Coach Myers was uh, also a football coach. He was the offensive line coach at Elizabethtown High School. But he made his, his legend was made on the baseball field. Uh, coach Myers was a tough hard-nosed baseball coach. Uh, he was very superstitious. He never liked to walk on the lines going on and off the baseball field. It was uh, He always passed the chalk, and he was just a very, very good, good coach. And E-Town High School at that time that we were coming through, we had a lot of athletes playing baseball. You know, I went back and looked at uh, this past year's baseball team. And the unusual thing was the first time I saw a baseball team that didn't have any black players on it. That's very unusual for E-Town High School because, you know, as we talked about earlier when we talked about, you know, Mark Bradley and uh, his career at Elizabethtown and then playing professional baseball, well, we had uh, kids from both sides of the track that was on those baseball teams. 
Sure. And Coach Coach Myers didn't care who you were. If you could play, you could play. Right. You know, um, he was very fiery. Man, he could get upset. And it was it was common knowledge that when Coach Myers got upset, that he was going to kick something. <laughs> he was going to kick something. Usually it was a bat inside the dugout. And so we knew that when Coach Myers got upset that we would find the uh, stanchion or the pole that was in the dugout, and we would get on the opposite side of that because we knew that he was going to kick a bat, and that bat was going to go flying across the dugout, and usually it hit that pole that protected us. He, uh, One quick story, we went to Florida my sophomore Sophomore year is the first time we went to Florida and played baseball. And we stopped in Alabama and played at Robert E. Lee High School on the way down. And it was kind of weird that, you know, these guys from Alabama was kind of making fun of us, you know. These country hillbillies from Kentucky coming down there. And uh, we beat them up pretty good. And Coach Meyer said, see, that's what they get for making fun of us from Kentucky. So we whooped them real good. And then we got down to Florida and we were there for five days, I think. And we played maybe seven or eight uh, baseball games. And somebody on the team at that time uh, went out and bought some illegal spirits, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And the word got around because we were in a hotel that was like an L-shaped and the room that I was staying in was me and I think Norman Cleaver and um, maybe Tommy Skies, I think. And I can't think of who else, who else, but the word had gotten around that Coach Myers had uh, caught somebody with some spirits. And he was going to come and check everybody's room and see if they had spirits in their room. Now, I didn't know anything about that stuff, you know, but... We all had a meeting, and for some reason, they met in in um, our room. And so we were sitting on the bed, and Coach Myers was just reaming us out, just reaming us. He was up and down. You're going to pay for this when we get back to E-Town. I'm going to run you until I throw up. And um, I knew that he was getting ready to kick the bed. I think Curtis Wright was sitting right next to me. I said, Curtis, he's getting ready to kick something. He's getting ready to kick something. So I moved just a little bit to the right, and half a second later, boom, he kicked the bed right by my knee. If he would have hit me, my knee would have been crushed. (laughs) So he was fired up, and he says, I'm not going to punish you now, but as soon as we get back to E-Town, you're going to run for all the spirits that we found. (laughs) And so the rest of the week we, we played, I think we won most of those games, and we got back to E-Town, and he says, all right, get out of the cars. We're going into the gym. And we started running, and we ran, and we ran, and we ran. I think it was something like 80 or 90 laps around the gym. Wow. He says, I would make you run further, but you're running for each item that I found that was spirit that had spirits in it. I said, dang. So he was fired up. He was, he was, a, he was a good guy, but he meant he was serious about uh, playing baseball. And he won two state championships. 
Uh, he's runner up several times. Uh, they named the field at Etown High School after him. Yep. Uh, just an, just an all around great guy, great human being, and a great mentor. You know, so that was that was Coach Myers. We'll say, you know, blessings to the Arms and Myers family, and uh, we'll just we'll move on from there, hoping that it all all's well with with what goes on in, in their lives. Absolutely. And uh, I remember, too, Coach Myers was an English teacher. Uh, yeah. He was an English teacher there at Etown High. And, uh, yes, both great men. Um, their legacy will stand, like I say, the baseball field up at Etown High is named after Coach Myers. And, and again, Mr. Arms, again, you mentioned uh, always took an interest in his students. I remember him as a principal at TK Stone. And uh, yes, blessings to uh, both their families. And, uh, you know, you, you hate to lose men of that stature, but, uh, you know, life, life goes on and, you know, you, you miss people, but uh, the good work and the good deeds they did will stand, uh, you know, long after, after we're gone. So. So uh, segueing into uh, our, our topic for tonight uh, Black History Month is about uh, two days um, from being over. 28th will be the end of Black History Month. So tonight, I thought we would uh, reflect on some of the folks uh, in E-Town uh, who would be considered, uh, in our view, uh, that we knew these folks. They would sort of be like our heroes uh, to recognize them during Black History Month. Uh, we didn't have any, you know, any time to, to my knowledge, and I'll caveat that. But uh, when you think of Black History Month, most, most times folks are talking about the national uh, folks who get a lot of the pub, the Malcolm X, the Martin Luther King, the Rosa Parks, the Denmar Vesey's, people like that. But we had a lot of great folks um, in E-Town who did a lot of great things uh, that I think it's appropriate to remember them. Uh, now that Black History Month is winding to an end, and this will be our last recording, uh, our next recording will be March, but I thought it'd be good to remember some of the folks uh, for Black History Month. Uh, yeah, in, absolutely. In E-Town. So first category I want to start with is is, is military. And uh, want to want to give a shout out first to all the military men and women who serve this country in E-Town. Um, there's a lot of them. Uh, you serve the the country as a member of the Coast Guard. Uh, my brother is a member of the Air Force. I was retired Air Force. A lot of folks serve the military, serve this country as members of the U.S. Armed Forces. So want to give a shout out to all those folks. Uh, in E-Town who have served this country in uniform. So a uh, big shout out for that. Um, when I was growing up in the bottom, there was a gentleman who lived next door to me. We lived down on Pierce Street and his name was Mr. Sam Henry Harris. I, I don't know if you remember, remember him or not. I don't um, remember him. Okay. So Mr. Sam lived next door to us. And uh, little did I know at the time, but he was a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces. And if my memory serves me correct, just from talking um, to people about him and, and the times where he did share some things, I think he served. Uh, he was a World War II veteran. And I think he also served in the Korean War. Um, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, and after he passed, you know, it came out that, you know, he had, he had been a, a military veteran and, um, you know, 
little did I know that this great man was living next door to us. I used to go to the store, members of my family, my siblings. Um, he had a, a son who was named Sam, and um, and we called her Amy, but I, I think it well, maybe she might have been his daughter. I'm not for sure. But we used to go to the grocery store for them all the time. And uh, she would come out and say, hey, Miss Moore, can one of your kids go to the go to Hawkins grocery for us and get some stuff or whatever they need at the house. And, you know, she'd give us the money and we'd go up to the store and bring the stuff back. And you'd see Mr. Sam every now and then, you know, in the house or he'd maybe come out, and sit on the porch or something like that. But uh, want, want to remember him as, as a, a veteran of World War Two. And I do believe the Korean War. So. I want to recognize him, uh, someone from the bottom uh, who served in the military. The other person I want to mention is a native of Hardin County, not necessarily living in E-Town, but the majority of our, you know, my mom, my aunt, uh, my other aunt, we all lived in E-Town, cousins, whatnot. And that is my Uncle Carl Bashir. Uh, whose life was memorialized in the movie Men of Honor. And so I want to, you know, throw some kudos out to him. Um, if you saw the movie, uh, you know the struggles that he had to achieve his goals as to being the first master diver in the United States Navy and to do that uh, with an artificial limb. Right. And, um, you know, the things he endured, um, the challenges that he met, um, it, 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 it means a lot to our family and I'm sure it means a lot to other people who have seen that movie and had to persevere against some very, very, uh, you know, strict odds to survive and, and achieve the goals that they wanted. So from a military perspective, uh, those are the, 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 the folks I want to mention, um, anybody on your side of the tracks, uh, that military veterans that you'd like to highlight? Oh gosh, most of my neighborhood was military veterans. Uh, from World War II, gosh, I can I can go up and down the street. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Pinnock next door was military army uh, veteran. He was a medic. Okay. Uh, behind us, Mr. Howard was a uh, uh, army veteran. My dad uh, was an army uh, veteran, served in World War II and Korea. Uh, Robbie right next door, Mr. Robinson right next door was a World War II veteran, and it's kind of weird that. My uh, dad and Mr. Robbie, we they always used to speak French to each other, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was kind of odd for somebody to speak French anyway, but they always yeah. spoke French to one another. And um, gosh, Mr. Hare, Mr. Hare, uh, yeah, Newton, yeah. James Hare, he was they were veterans. So our whole little neighborhood was surrounded by veterans and they all served in uh, World War Two. So there's a big, big army uh, military tradition on our side of the tracks as well. There are some others that I could probably mention. I just can't think of them right now. Uh, Mr. Mack, Mr. Mack served in the army. He's uh, over on um, Beach Street. So there was quite a few. Yeah, Yeah. the army. That's that's one thing about E-Town is that, you know, there's a lot of people that served uh, in the uh, army. You know, or the or military in general, because, you know, for me personally, um, I went into the Coast Guard because, you know, mom and dad couldn't afford me to go to college. Right. right. So I figured out, you know, this is the GI Bill is going to uh, help pay my college. And it did. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the reason why I did that. You know, I wasn't going to make a career out of it because it just 
you know, the Coast Guard was great. It had lots of different things to do. It's something different every day, whether we were in drug interdiction or aliens, uh, whether we were search and rescue. There was something different each day, but it wasn't for me at the time. I said, I'm going to do my four years and uh, get out and go to school and uh, start start life over. And that's that's kind of what happened with, with, with me. Yeah, yeah. So similar path, uh, you know, just trying to find my way in life and not necessarily doing anything of importance at the time. And uh, I, I knew I wasn't an army person. I wasn't cut out for the army or the Marines or nothing like that. Uh, and, and the Navy, you know, even though my uncle had been in the Navy, uh, the Navy really didn't appeal to me all that much. Uh, but the Air Force, to me, it seemed to be the closest thing to the civilian world that you could find. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> you know, so uh, my my younger brother went in the Air Force first. Ricardo, he had went in the Air Force. And, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, man, this Air Force thing is pretty good. You know, it uh, it did all right by him. So so I took the test and I backed out the first time. I took the took the test, entrance exam, and uh, had a date to go. And I backed out the first time and uh, reconsidered. And I'm glad I did. Um, so, you know, the Air Force was great to me. Uh, I Probably the best thing, one of the best things I've done in my life was uh, join the Air Force, uh, did 20 years, retired, and, uh, you know, bleed Air Force blue. So <laughs> I hear you. Go to Air Force, <laughs> you know. That's right. So, segwaying to the next category I have here, and that that's business people. And, um, you know, at the time we grew up, we, we were, you know, at the time we grew up in the late, uh, late 50s, you know, civil rights were still an issue, especially Kentucky. I think we talked before uh, a lot of the places in E-Town were still segregated and whatnot. But there were people that had businesses in E-Town that I remember clearly. And it was a big thing that that someone black had their own business. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the businesses that I first came in contact with as a kid was the barbershop. <laughs> yeah. It was the barbershop. Oh, yeah. It was the barbershop. And so on our side of the tracks, uh, there were there were two locations. <laughs> your hair One was operated by Mr. Claude Glass. He had a, he had a barber shop up on Dixie Highway, uh, and at the time, uh, the First Baptist Church uh, pastor Reverend Bishop lived in a house right next to the barber shop. So we'd walk up from our uh, little house there in the bottom. We'd walk up. My mom would send us up to see Mr. Claude to get her hair cut. And we'd walk up there. And it was a big thing, man, to walk into the barbershop because a lot of the older gentlemen were in the barbershop. He had a little back room in the back of the barbershop that, you know, you know that's, that's where the older brothers hung out back there and everything. But Mr. Claude, I think, he cut our hair. He cut just pretty much everybody's hair in the bottom that I'm thinking of. Probably cut a few folks uh, from the hill as well. But he was one of the, the few people that he had a business. Yeah. A black barbershop, you know. And uh, if you weren't getting your hair cut by Mr. Claude, there was another barbershop. At the end of the bottom, that was operated by Mr. Dixon Connor, <laughs> and he cut hair. So if, if Mr. Claude wasn't doing you up, Mr. Mr. Dixon was doing your hair. And his barbershop was right at the end of the bottom. You came out of the bottom, and right across, there was a cleaners at the end of the bottom. Right across was Mr. Dixon's barbershop. Yeah, it was. Right there. And I remember my mom, again, she, she would take us in. Mr. Dixon would cut, would cut our hair. 
And, uh, you know, those were the first two black businesses that I came in contact with as a young child. And it's like, you didn't think about it then, but it was huge that, you know, these two black men owned their own business. And, right. and, and that was huge. Now, well, you you remember uh, Claude Glass also had a barbershop on our side of the he town. He had a barbershop on your side of the town. Right, he yeah. had it right on Miles Street. Yes. He, you know, his house was on Jefferson Street. Yes. And then there was a little green building that yep. had a barbershop right there. Yep. And yep. right across the street, there was a um, radio repair yep. shop, and it yep. had a barbershop. This was a white barbershop yep. down on the bottom of it, but Claude, Claude Glass had a barbershop right there. So he yep. worked both sides of the track. He worked both sides of the track. And <laughs> going going back to uh, Mr. Dixon, <laughs> the 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 running story was that if you couldn't get Mr. Mr. Glass to do your hair, you get Mr. Dixon to do your hair, and you don't know what you're going to come back with if you had Mr. Dixon to get your hair get your hair cut. <laughs> yeah, but then you know, two two prominent black men, you know, having businesses like you said, Mr. Claude worked both sides of the tracks. There was another barber on your side of the tracks. Oh yeah. Another barber on your side of the track. That was Brother Wiley. And Wiley. Brother, Brother Wiley cut hair. And Brother Wiley cut my hair too as a kid when I was growing up. But he had, even though he cut hair in his uh, at the time, we'd go to his house. Right. And he would cut hair down his basement. But as the years progressed, he actually had a shop on our side of town, up by where the church is located now. There used to be a little house there. He had a barber shop in there. And mm-hmm. you go there your haircut right there and it was a barbershop slash record store <laughs> if you remember that he sold yeah. records out of there yeah. and you buy the latest records in there get your haircut and uh so you know prominent men in town with their own businesses and, and again the barbershop uh it's one of those rites of passage we talked about rites of passage in one of the early episodes but going to the barbershop was one of those rites of passage well they also all of them uh mr glass and mr wiley they both cut hair at fort knox they were yes. they were full-time barbers at fort absolutely. knox absolutely and then after they would leave fort knox they would come back to uh e-town and yep. then they would cut on saturdays and so on and when they had time in the evening they would cut hair as well yeah yeah so we we'd be remiss if we if we didn't mention you know those were the the, the brethren in town that were that were cutting hair but there was a lady that had a beauty shop mm-hmm. and uh, miss miss trudy miss trudy yep. she had a beauty shop which still is in is in existence today her beauty shop was also up there right on dixie highway uh, and she did my mom, my sisters, probably did a lot of the women's hair in town, uh, mm-hmm. was doing it. And again, she had her own business. She was doing her own thing. And, uh, you know, I, that's, you know, black history month. We always talk about, you know, doing things within our community and those folks right there definitely, uh, were keeping things in our community. They were there for the people within the community. And I'm sure they cut, you know, other folks hair besides black folks, but they were primarily, you know, we knew them and, you know, they were, they were black businessmen and women had their own shops and, and and served the the members of the black community in E-Town. Well, Miss Dolores, I don't know if you remember Dolores Shacklett. That, Dolores that, Sears. Remember that name, yeah. Well, you know, we talked about uh, Dennis Shacklett. Yes. Well, his older sister, 
was a beautician and she worked out of Miss Ganaway's house. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people on uh, the Mile Street side of E-Town would go see Dolores uh, at Miss Ganaway's house and get their hair done. Wow, okay. Especially the women. She was a she was a beautician and she she did everybody in our neighborhood's hair. Wow. You know, so yeah, she didn't have a quote unquote business, but she made money by doing people's hair out of Mrs. Ganaway's house there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um I've got a few, you know, names on this list here that I compiled yesterday. I was I was just I was just sitting around thinking about people that that I had come in contact with. And you, and you, again, we talked about the barbers. There's a name on this list, and I don't know if you remember this individual or not. Uh, he was not a licensed plumber, but he did a lot of plumbing work, especially in the bottom. And his name was James Brown. I don't know if you remember James Brown or not. If you were that name. Yeah, I remember the name. I remember the name. Uh, if you start talking about it, I'm sure I'll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know James Brown. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He, he wasn't a licensed plumber to the best of my knowledge. But, man, he was a handyman, a jack of all trades. And he could do just about any type of work you could think of. But I primarily remember him from doing plumbing. You know, and he did a, some lot of plumbing around our house every now and then. We we actually had a name for him since his name was James Brown. We used to call him the Godfather of Plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> we used to call him the Godfather of Plumbing, and uh, because man, he could fix a sink. He could get a. I mean, your pipes were were frozen. He could get your pipes unthawed. I mean, and and I don't know if any money was exchanged or not. But uh, if you call Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown be on it. He'd come there and he, he, he'd do his thing and, and get you back online in a heartbeat. But uh, I remember him uh, as a fixture in the bottom. He, he did a lot of work for a lot of people at the bottom. So uh, he's on my list. Uh, another name on my list is Joe Pipes. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, Joe Pipes. Was Joe he, uh... Pipes. No, was he a photographer? He was a photographer, yes. He was a photographer, okay. Joe, Joe Pipes Photography. I know he did uh, he, he did a lot of weddings, did a lot of photographer weddings in E-Town. He did our wedding. He was a photographer for our wedding. Uh, but Mr. Pipes, uh, he was one of the few black photographers that I knew of in E-Town. And again, he had his own business, and Joe Pipes Photography. And uh, I'm sure he served other people besides black folks, but he was – Went to First Baptist Church, and uh, you know he was recognized as being a a damn good photographer. Mm-hmm. So he's on my list. Uh, another name on my list is a, uh, and I call him my uncle. He married my aunt, but that's Junior Harris. Okay. And Junior Harris is on the list. He had his own business. He he probably didn't classify that, but I remember him having a lawn cutting business. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He sure did. <laughs> he would load up his lawnmowers and he'd go cut lawns for people. And yeah. uh, you know, businessman. That is that is a businessman. He would go do lawn work, yard work, whatnot for people on Saturdays, had his own lawnmowers, and he'd go do his thing. So he's on my list as as being a black businessman. Uh one of my uncles, um, uh, you know, one of my dad's brother, I think older brother, had a garage over in the bottom. Uh, if you're coming uh, up uh, Dixie Highway, coming out of the bottom, you make a right. He had a garage there uh, right across close to the E-Town Cemetery. 
that he would wash cars there, repair cars, whatnot. Uh, at the time, it was booming because a lot of people would take their cars there to get it detailed. He would detail. He washed cars, wax cars. He did repairs. And it was a good place for the older black men in the community to go hang out there, you know. Yeah. And, and they would hang out there and whatnot and have a, and have a good time and, and, and talk about whatever was on their mind. But, uh, again, black businessman had his own thing. And the last name I have on my list is Danny Purcell. Okay. And Danny Purcell, uh, black mortician, uh, funeral director uh, in E-Town, has his own business. It's a family-run business. Um, he has served a lot of families uh, in E-Town, Hardin County. Uh, but, again, black businessman. Uh, real prominent in the community. So uh, those are some of the folks that that I thought about yesterday as I was just sitting around, like thinking about this episode, uh, you know, business people that, uh, you know, made an impression on me growing up as a kid and even going back to E-Town now, you know, seeing some of the things that are going on, uh, you know, who's continuing to hold up that mantle for black business people in E-Town. OK, um, another category I have on is law enforcement. And I'm sure a name I'm going to mention, you know this name well, and that is Bobby Crutcher. Bobby Crutcher, Bobby first black, Crutcher. black cop in E-Town. First black cop in E-Town. You know, that that was huge, man, when that happened, because yeah. uh, as I tell people today, a lot of the, you know, the issues that law enforcement has with the communities that they serve, I don't necessarily remember that in E-Town, um, the white cops that were on the force in E-Town, they would ride through the bottom all the time. And they knew they knew just about pretty much everybody in the bottom. And they'd blow their horn, whatever, wave at you, whatnot. And when we found out that, like, wow, E-Town City Police Department is going to have a black officer, it was huge, man. Yeah, yeah. It was huge. And uh, it meant a lot to, uh, to, the, to the black citizens in E-Town that, hey— uh, here's another area that we've conquered and that we've been invited to participate in. And uh, it changed the face of law enforcement in E-Town. Uh, yeah. Now you've got somebody that looks like you coming through your neighborhood. And and I think Mr. Crutcher, he knew a lot of the people in E-Town anyway. Sure. Uh, so it was an added bonus, you know, with him being on the force. I never had any interaction or none of my siblings ever had any interaction with him from a law enforcement standpoint. But just the fact that he was on the E-Town City Police Force was huge and it meant a lot to the community. Yeah, it was a face that the black community could go to uh, in, you know, times of not crisis, but when times were tough, when people got in trouble with the law or whatever, you know, he would go to them and say, hey, this is what happened. Yeah. You know, this these are the things that's going on. And so he felt a little bit more comfortable because it was like community policing because everybody knew Bobby Crutcher yeah. and he was yeah. going to be on the police force. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. I think uh, recently within the past Five, six, seven years. I, I don't know this for a fact, but they have a black female police officer on the force now, okay. and I and I think uh, she's become a detective, from my understanding, and that's Andrea Hare. Okay, awesome. Yes, well. yes, yeah, she's been on the police force for at least maybe five or six years, and I think she was. I think she was. Um, 
moved up to a detective. I'm not absolutely sure on that. But yeah, she's been on the police police force for for a while now. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah that is awesome, man. And uh, I want to mention too, since it's sort of in the line with law enforcement, uh, when you, when you think of uh, legal, you know, folks who practice law, uh, a name that comes to mind is Larry Smith. Larry Smith, yeah. Larry Smith uh, was a was a brilliant legal mind. He also was a judge, and uh, but brilliant legal mind, really nice guy. Um, but practiced law uh, pretty much all around Hardin County, and uh, did a lot uh, for Black folks in Hardin County, representing them in various cases and whatnot. So, um, you know, in the vein of law enforcement, uh, folks who practice the law. So, I want to mention Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last category I have on my my notes um, is educators. And uh, we talked about a few of these folks, I think, in maybe the first or second episode. And the two names or three names that came to mind were Dr. J.B. Robinson, right. uh, Lottie Robinson, and Miss Mary Martin. Uh, three giants of education uh, in E-Town, Hardin County, um, the Bond Washington High School. We talked about that, the role they played in getting that school established. Um you, you cannot say enough about what they did for education in E-Town, Hardin County. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and we're always, and, and since I'm uh, on the Board of Education in the township that I live and taught for 30 years, you know, it's a big push for me to try to find more black educators. And it's real tough. And I may have said this earlier that the civil rights movement did a lot of good for America, but it also did a lot to hurt black educators. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when people have businesses that they can get into and they can go into law and all these other um, uh, work related uh, activities are available for everybody then. And then a lot of people just did not go into education and don't go into education now. So, you know, we're the the number of black educators are way down and we're always pushing. I'm always in in my uh, capabilities as being a school board member. I'm always pushing to get black teachers in our district. You know, especially male teachers, you know, because uh, there are there aren't very many male black teachers that are in education now. And so we need that. I mean, I know at Etown High School, we got that followed Mrs. Martin, um, Stephanie Buckner. Yep, she yep. was in education. James Hare was in education. Yeah, my uh, cousin. Uh, my cousin is, was an educator. I think she's still involved. Uh, Carolyn Tucker. Carolyn, yeah. She is an educator, uh, went into education. Um, you know, the, the, go ahead. Did Tim, did Tim uh, Weathers' wife, is she an educator? I think, yeah. I think Angela was in education. Oh, yeah, okay. Angela was in okay. education as well. Uh, and I'm sure there's some we, we're missing. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, we, we need more, uh, you know, black educators. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something, I mean, it's not just you know, in our little small town of E-Town, but it's something that you're in Indianapolis, you see it. Uh, I see it out here in Colorado Springs that, uh, you know, the number of blacks in the education system, it's all the school districts we have out here. It's, it's severely lacking. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Really lacking. Um, there's another name that I had on the list of educators, and that's Miss Emma Reno Connor. And she, uh, educator, uh, she did some poetry back in the day, but she also started the Black History Gallery there in E-Town. And uh, to best of my knowledge, it's still going on. Uh, but that is a legacy uh, to her uh, being, again, a pioneer educator uh, in E-Town. And so I wanted to mention her as well. And so, um, you know, that's just some notes I had sitting around yesterday. And the mind wanders and I'm like, you know what? I, I remember a lot of these folks and, and uh, the fact that you mentioned, you said earlier that the civil rights movement did a lot of good for black people. But I think in a way it hurt us, too. Because you look at now the number of black businesses that are there, uh, you know, if you go across the country, the number of black businesses that are in existence and they're thriving, uh, it's not like it was prior to uh, integration. Right. You know, um, I mean, we had things within our community that sustained us and uh, those those things are gone. And I think. Once we integrated, it zapped something from us. That's just my opinion. I think it zapped something from us as black people uh, that uh, I don't know what it is, but we 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 lost whatever that was that allowed us to create, you know, institutions that sustained our communities. We right. lost that somewhere. There, there's there's nothing wrong with the fact that integration took place. It just had a different dynamics on the black community. Yeah. You know, the, the small mom and pop shops and so on, they kind of started to fall apart because kids now didn't have to stay at those mom and pop shops. They can venture out and get a degree in business or start a, a shop someplace else, you know, so because of opportunities, you know, you didn't have to be focused in the one area. Right. And so that kind of hurt in the long run. But, you know, integration was a good thing. But there's always, you know, a, a side effect to something. If you push one way, something else is going to happen the opposite direction and so on. So yeah. eventually, I, I, I think that that's going to turn around and opportunities are going to refocus and so on. And there's going to be more uh, business people that are going to uh, get back into that idea of um, opening up shops and so on, be yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, that's, that's some of my thoughts uh, as black history month winds down uh, that, you know, we had heroes amongst us. That, that's that's what I was reflecting on, you know, that we had heroes amongst us in our neighborhoods, in our communities, on both sides of the tracks. Uh, we had folks who at the time, they were doing some, some pretty awesome things, even though we may not have recognized it at the time, that uh, all we knew is, uh, I got to go to, got to go get my hair cut. So I got to go right. to the barbershop. But now that we're grown and we look back, it's like, wow, these people were entrepreneurs and they provided necessary services to our community. And uh, it, it, a lot of those institutions molded us. Uh, they gave us our first look at uh, another side of life. 
especially the barbershop. I mean, it's for a young black man, the barbershop is your, it's your proving ground, so to speak. Right, you know, right. Go, go to the barbershop, get your first haircut, and, you know, the older men are in there, and you, you, you watch how they handle themselves or whatnot, and it sort of gives you a blueprint on, you know, okay, this, this is, this is, this is this making of, of, of how do you become a man type thing. It's one of those rites of passage you go through. So, oh, yeah. uh, so just some thoughts as Black History Month winds down and, you know, just to remember some of the folks who uh, who meant a lot uh, to me and folks who lived in in our side of the tracks. And again, you mentioned a lot of folks on your side of the tracks uh, that I think are worthy mentioning uh, for uh, Black History Month 2019. Right. You know, I think, uh, Wayne, we should uh, probably think think in the in the future a little bit here that maybe we should if we get the opportunity to invite some of our colleagues, some of our people that we went to school with that are, you know, in various occupations and have their own businesses, maybe we can invite them on uh, across the tracks and let them talk about their um, their issues and things that are going on. So it's always be good to have a third or fourth voice on here so that we can uh, share um, the ideas that have uh, developed since we uh, left E-Town. Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic uh, to, to get, you know, some other opinions, some other views and just to, you know, see what other people thought about, you know, their their time growing up there. So, yes, most definitely. Most yeah. Definitely. yeah. So. Well, all right, then. Any any final thoughts on uh, Black History Month? You're a prior history teacher, retired history teacher. And what, what, what are your thoughts on 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 black history? You know, as as a history teacher, uh, I've taught in a predominantly um, white township, and anything and everything that we taught or that I taught in my classroom, I always put a spin on it that discussed black issues. You know, we would talk about you know, building uh, the Eisenhower interstates back in the 1950s, you know, our current interstate system. And we would talk about, and I would mention the fact that, you know, Garrett Morrison developed the gas mask and he, he was the first to come up with the red light. Every light in the country that's a red light was that was uh, developed by a black man. So those are the type of things that I always tried to push out there. Uh, I always had a, uh, a, a month when we got to uh, black history month, I always highlighted some of the, um, uh, early, um, black patrons from the revolutionary war, even though that we don't really study that, that often, but from the revolutionary war, Two current events, you know, um, we, I talk about Christmas Addicts High School uh, here in Indianapolis and how it was developed and why it was developed, you know, because it was going to be the segregated high school in the city. And from Christmas Addicts High School, you know, you get somebody like Oscar Robinson yeah. that, you know, wins the first state championship from a uh, black school. But the civil rights movement at that time in 1954, 1955, you know, it had an effect on them winning the state championship because it was tradition in the state of Indiana that whoever won the state championship, they got to parade around Monument Circle. 
uh, downtown Indianapolis, which is the hub of all all the uh, the city. And so when Christmas Addicts uh, won the state championship, they did not let them go around the circle at all. Wow. You know, and, and the big O, he always held that against the city. You know, he, he eventually left uh, uh, Indianapolis, and I think he lives in Cincinnati, but he's always held that close to his heart that, you know, he wasn't able to go around the circle because he had always seen people go around the circle uh, because Indiana Avenue, which is like a block or two blocks from the circle, and that's where most of the black community lived in the downtown area. They always went there and saw him parade around there. And when it became his time, they didn't let him do it. So uh, Black History Month is not to stand out as far as I see it. It's just that the fact that we find this time as black folks to honor ourselves. You know, no, nothing was given to us. You know, right. we we made that that history month ourselves. You know, we created and then the rest of the country kind of adopted it because it wasn't given to us. We did it for ourselves to promote right. the positive aspects of the black community. And then the rest of the nation kind of supported it in, in ways that they can. But it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And uh you know, we have a lot to be proud of as a uh, as an ethnic group. And uh, if you look at the fabric of our history throughout this country, I mean, it is I mean, I I don't know, man, there there are days you just you're like, man, look at look at all the things that we have done as a people and the innovation and the, uh, you know, the technology, the ingenuity that we've brought to this country. And like you say, it took uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson uh, to come up with Negro History Week, which later developed into Black History Month uh, to recognize those accomplishments that we as black people have brought to this country. So that said, I think that that's a good way to end our episode for tonight. Uh, I enjoyed this episode and uh, look forward to uh, next week's episode. All right. We'll keep Other, moving forward. You keep know, that, moving forward. Cross that train's going to keep going across the track. So you guys come and, come and join us. Absolutely. Come and join us. And once again, if you have topics that you would like us to expand upon or go into, uh, please let us know. And uh, we're going to try to expand this ourselves. We're going to try to get a little better. Maybe we can invite some of our uh, high school friends in and uh, have us to uh, have make them a part of our, our journey as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Okay, then. Till next time. Till next time.